Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, 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 and welcome to the Feminist Book Club podcast, the show that brings you the best of the best feminist content. I'm your host, Niba from Nose by Niba, and today we are going to be chatting with Adia, my dear friend and prize-winning teen poet. Adia, I'm so excited to have you here today on the podcast. Hi, yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be here, too. For sure. So for our dear listeners, Adia is an academic writer. She is an enthusiast of all things creative prose, and I've invited her here because she also does a lot of poetry, and it reflects kind of her own experiences as a young person of color and a child of immigrants and figuring out her voice in a very, very changing world. By the time this podcast episode, Adia will be 18 years old. Hey, happy birthday. And uh, she's a current member of the 2022 to 2023 Seattle cohort of Young Poet Laureates. She's mentored in University of Washington's annual writers workshop. Her work has been read on stage and featured in a couple different anthologies. And I'm really excited to have you here and chat about all of this. Yeah, thanks. Really excited to get to share my work here. For sure. So we talked a little bit about perhaps having you read a piece. This is a piece that you had published in an anthology by the University of Washington Henry Art Gallery. It's among some other works that were also published. It centered around embodied like pre-colonial experience, expression, hidden histories. Adia, I'm very excited to, to hear this from you today. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so this piece is called And So We Sail. And like you said, based on the ideas and realities of post-colonial embodied experience. Our bodies are made of water. How much is a number that changes with every moment, tear, and breath? But this remains the truth, despite how its nature shifts. With every tumbling reassertion of our being, every new yowl of the present tense, how much of ourselves we are is once again redefined. All of our stories will be rewritten. That's how you know they're alive. We are made of water, and the earth knows how to sail. It's how Pangea came apart, after all. But though we've so obviously learned from the ground beneath our feet that remaking yourself as a living vessel allows you to better navigate, that assimilation and freedom placed between praying hands make an arboros constantly struggling to be reconciled, that knowledge of how to break has become tectonic and transcendent in our DNA, that there exists no line which cannot be erased and and redrawn like the ones we cradle here. What do we do when lost underwater beneath our skin, trying to identify the things that sank? Try to see the ocean's floor and you will realize that not everything that should float in water does. Imagine it. Look up, stare at the dangling bones that fancy themselves bubbles of air a skeleton that wants to be breathed back into our repossessed bodies but will never again have a home amid a sea of white, the kind imported white walls, white atmosphere, the kind of white that our existences are defined by choking on. There is a staggering of brass folded in on itself. This fist, this fossil, this disruption in the soil, it looks like it could have been a heart in another life. But that is not what it was made to be by an artist who cannot see. And therefore, it never was this thing that it is. This 
is your culture, a victim of drowning, calcified, an entity that is unliving, unloved, unrealized, and yet represents an undoing all the same. Look up, not in, and see your spine as it was before it was yours. We get dug up all the time, but to be unearthed, to relearn ourselves in the dark things caked under our fingernails, we had to be buried first. We treat the spinal column like it is one thing, but it isn't. It formed over time, vertebrae holding on to one another for dear life, little things becoming one thing, something that is shaky, something that trembles, something no architect would ever reasonably replicate outside the body, even though we could not stand without it. Like the spine, we are utterances tied up in flesh and heartstrings. We are disc and nerve, yop and song, the products of mirrors with holes in the glass whose shards are in our fingers, in our blood. The spine is a chain of elements tied together, causation and calcium, conscience and collagens colonized by one another. There is timeline and testimony at the braces of our backs, and this is what we carry always. Did you know that due to the nature of the atom, nothing ever truly touches? Not bone and not skin and nothing that can be held close or held down or held shut. Marks must be made on us and then erased in other ways. Touch is not just touch. Touch endures in the veins of every other sensation. Touch is a story we tell ourselves and then pass down. All other aspects of us are the same. A sea full of pieces strung together, connected and disconnected all at once. Some indigenous to our bodies and some native to an unnameable land between foreignness and home. Touch is a present tense condition and an heirloom and simultaneous, existing in words and fears and the moments between moments. But everything lost, everything edited, these bones we sit down to eat together, these are all things frozen in sense and time. These are things that we're not allowed to flow. As we move, live, stretch, feel our worldviews roil back and forth, learn to breathe with organs other than our lungs, as we listen to our families and find out how they became themselves, we become visitors of colonial outposts stationed throughout our generational memory. Our views of how our lives were reshaped, the lives we share with our parents and their parents and so on, peer out from inside a bottle that was stolen, drank dry, perhaps mixed anew and tossed headfirst into the sea. We landed where we landed, we soured where we soured, and we sailed where we sailed. It is through clouded glass and remade selves that we are here. Going forward, every story will be rewritten. But this time, our narratives will be ours. Every story will be rewritten. That's how you know we survive. So beautiful. I love all the little to science and the way in which like science and art really blends especially the line of like not everything that should float in water there's this like weird stereotype that science is just like not creative or that scientists aren't creative i'm curious about your process of writing this on one hand you're conveying really deep emotions and you're also doing it through these like scientific allegories of things that are very like hard information 
Yeah. Um, you could say the reason I wrote this piece, I didn't really know a whole lot about post-colonialism, but I had the opportunity to attend this at the UW Henry Art Gallery, which unfortunately that's local to me. At this workshop, there were two exhibits by the artists Echo Garcia and Donna Blanca, and the whole theme of this workshop, it basically just like dozen writers just like kind of sitting and taking in the exhibits. The exhibits were related to the theme of post-colonialism. And it was kind of this afternoon of absorbing that, reflecting on what the exhibits brought up for us and what our understandings of post-colonialism have kind of been shaped on based on like our experiences, which can look really differently for everybody. And in the process of making those notes, there were pieces of the things that I just kind of scribbled down that day that did end up in like the final piece. I love that idea of just none of us ever stay the same, even down to like our literal atoms and the composition of our bodies. I'm curious, like you, you seem like you take inspiration from so many different sources. I'm curious to hear more about your creative process. If you have any tips for people who are getting started. Yeah, I think what I've found is that like, if you want to create or grow, what really, uh, what really gets you there is just engaging and consuming, right? So like whether it's writing or visual art or any other creative form or pursuit. Well, okay. I think it's worth prefacing any advice I have to give by saying that like, I wasn't always this version of myself as a writer. Right. And I mean, it back, back to that notion of, you know, we are constantly changing, shifting, growing, developing, right. It took a lot of years spent just doing the thing in whatever capacity, whether that was like filling notebooks with stream of consciousness poetry or writing fan fiction of all things for my friends, which yes, I'm admitting that on main. Fan fiction is, it can be cool. To elaborate on what I was starting to say about like engaging and consuming. I, okay. When it, when it comes to engaging, right? It's, it's interesting because it's tricky to contextualize writing to people, right? Like people ask me what I like to do and I say writing and, and, you know, generally the first picture that comes to mind is just like, angsty teenagers sitting in the dark with their computer. There was a fair amount of that over COVID and the lockdown and everything. We'll admit to that. But when you can take inspiration in anything, right? Like you said, writing isn't just a solitary affair. There's events and there's classes and there's community groups and writing centers, depending on where you live, and just opportunities to connect with other people and other work and new things to learn. Like there's so many different kinds of joy to experience and so many different ways to learn as opposed to just like focusing on achieving end goals of some kind. Don't box yourself in, right? Whether that's on a specific project or on your creative trajectory in general or like how you choose to explore being creative, right? Surround yourself with options. Again, whether it's different ways of engaging with the craft or like different uh, forms of the craft, right? When being creative, you can work with anything. It's a habit that does require some cultivating and, you know, just a little bit of creative insanity. But <laughs> looking at things in that way, like when I'm in that space, it's like the world is all there when I'm looking out at it in a way that it isn't often like the rest of the time. I mean, yeah, there's so much everywhere all the time, constantly, right? But reasons to be creative also everywhere. And what we do with those reasons is up to us, right? That is just down to us. And to make my point, because, you know, this is Feminist Book Club and I can't get away without talking about books. There's this amazing book some of you may have heard of called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, where the creative process is, at least in my opinion, one of the forefront elements in 
sort of the paths of character development that the narrative takes us on. It's an epic book on like so many levels. In this context, particularly, it's very worth checking out because I think it reinforces a lot of what I've said in a way that's really well contextualized. Oh, excellent. So many people have recommended that book to me. So the school year is wrapping up for you. What is next for you? Oh, man, what can I say without wanting to gag a little bit? Nothing like college uh, apps to really make you so excited about adulthood. Aside from like fancy readings and different writing things, by the time this podcast is aired, I'll also know where I'm going to college, which is pretty crazy. There's definitely like a lot of anxiety in that for us. And it's it's this weird like transition and non-transition period. But there's there's definitely a lot to look forward to. I know that I want to study both creative writing and computational bio, which might not come as a surprise. Just this inherent beauty in scientific narratives, right? I feel very strongly about the fact that there's a bunch of scientists sitting in a, in a dark room somewhere and they figured out the answers to life's research problem, but they can't communicate it and they can't engage those ideas on a human level, right? Then what good is it? And there's just so much good to be had there, right? Both for my own like personal creative joy, but also doing something that feels like it matters. And so Adia, can you tell us like a couple of books that you'd recommend for people interested in things about creativity or prose and creative writing and maybe science-y related as well? Yeah. For anyone interested in poetry and also maybe post-colonialism, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong, or really anything else by Ocean Vuong is just like a feat. There's a book called Vagina Obscura by Rachel Gross that is hands down like the most beautiful, effective piece of science writing that I have had the just tremendous experience of encountering that is like science writing at its finest in my opinion and for something that's just like this incredibly executed amalgam of like all of these other things you know creative pose uh, you know poeticism scientific metaphors like just the whole shebang uh, try to get your hands on a copy of this is how you lose the time war by Amalo Mother and Max Gladstone because that was just like hands down one of my favorite books of all time. Thank you so much for these recommendations. Listeners, thank you so much for joining me. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss or a question you have for me, my DMs are open. You can find me on pretty much any platform, YouTube, Insta, Twitter, TikTok, at Notes by Neba. Bye. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with The Woman Cards. The Woman Cards is a small family business created and run by a brother-sister duo. They sell feminist playing cards celebrating diverse women from all walks of life who changed the world, even though the deck was stacked against them. They're currently offering three decks, the Woman Card Classic featuring American women, Girl Power featuring young women, and Tech Deck featuring pioneering women in STEM. Each deck features 15 hand-illustrated portraits of the women spotlighted in the deck, and all of their products are proudly made in the United States. You can order online at thewomancards.com and use code DEALMEIN23 for 10% off your order. That's thewomancards.com, and promo code is DEALMEIN23 for 10% off. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for brownie points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. 
Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. well-read woman is a dangerous creature, creature, oh.